0: Uh, Hello, everybody. Can you all hear me in the back? Matthew? Grand. Great. So as uh, Shadi said, uh, since last conference, we've got this idea of making an introductory talk. So just introduce you to the concept and without going into the details of each type of um, bondage that I might be sort of discussing in the conference. What am I going to cover? Hopefully. Why do we need to talk about freedom? What is bondage? Hence, what is freedom and liberty? So, basically, a definition how to attain freedom, how to get that freedom, and then why do some people still feel stuck on the path to freedom? I'll finish off with again going through the structure of the conference and how does the structure of the conference serve the same purpose and give you some tips in the end. Does that seem doable? It'll be quick. And I know that uh, we have less than 40 minutes to finish. So I'll do my best to be as quick as possible. You all up and awake? Yeah. Okay. So why freedom? What's the point of talking about freedom? Why am I putting this slide on there? Because sometimes we think freedom is kind of an optional thing that you get in the same package when you have your salvation. As if you get a package of salvation, part of it is you feel free. This is absolutely wrong. Simply because freedom is actually the core of our call. So, St. Paul says, for you brethren have been called to liberty. So, liberty is the core of our call. It's not something within the package. What else? Again, St. Paul says in Romans 8, that because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into glorious liberty of the children of God. So liberty is a characteristic of a child of God. So if we are children of God, one of the characteristics of us should be that we are free. What else? Why do we talk about freedom? Because again, St. Paul says that where the Spirit is, there is liberty. So it's a, it signifies the presence of the Spirit. That's why liberty and talking about freedom is crucial because the presence of freedom signifies the, the presence of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Why else? Why is it important? In Luke 4, it says clearly, referring to the Old Testament, that the Lord has come to proclaim liberty to the captives. So it's not just the core of our calling, it's the core of the Lord's mission. So He came to give us that liberty. And the last thing is, again the same thing, that the Lord came to release us from bondage, in Hebrews, as He says, Hebrews 2.14. So I hope through those slides you've learned now that liberty is not by the by. It lies at the core of the Lord's mission, at the core of our being as children of God, and also it is an essential bit of our salvation. Because that's the core of our call. So basically what I'm trying to say is, if we're not free at all at the moment, then we need to examine this freedom concept that we're going through this conference. So let's move on. As I say, I'm conscious of the time. What is bondage to begin with? What do you think bondage is? I'll give you an example and tell me if you you agree or not. A definition might say that bondage is a state in which someone else, or something else, dictates what you do or demands something of you, that you do. Do you agree with that concept? Does it seem okay? Hands up if you feel it's alright. So bondage is a state in which someone else, or something else, tells you what to do, or even compels you to do something. It could be. So it, fe- it seems alright.
1: Isn't that a bit contradictory? Because if you're, if you're doing what God's telling you to do, does that technically
0: bondage? Keep your question in a minute. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll come to that, don't worry. It's but it seems, it seems quite plausible. It seems alright. But there's one problem with that. Is that people used it to define liberty. By saying, then liberty, liberty is to do what you want. Is that not what we hear? That being free means that you're doing what you want. Is that right? What's the problem with that definition of liberty?
1: Because by the liberty, for example, choosing to smoke, you can become a slave to it, or you can bondage for voluntarily by through liberty. You think you've got freedom to choose, but Spot on
0: Mark. So he's saying something really important. You think that you've got freedom to choose, but you might choose to be a slave to something. So why do people around us always talk on, on freedom as the ability to do what you want? Okay, Let me put, it, put you through this then. If I'm in prison, I'm in jail. Okay, So clearly, I'm not free. Does that make sense? Then the prison officers come come to me and say, well, would you like a cup of coffee or tea? I say I'd like a cup of coffee. The fact that I had the choice or the option to choose between tea and coffee, did that make me free? I am in prison. What's the problem here? The problem is there's a slight distinction, it's not really slight, between having the option to choose and being free. Does that make sense? So addicts in our service the psychiatry, would come and say Doctor, I'm not a slave to alcohol this is what I want to do I'm free, I have a free will this is my choice where's the problem? the problem is, the fact that he has a choice to drink alcohol or to have heroin or whatever doesn't make him free did you get the point? so the fact that I'm in prison and I made a choice doesn't make me free. The distinction here is clear when you hear what the Lord said, which is written on your pamphlets. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. The Lord is talking about you being free, not being able to make choices. Did I get that right? Did you get the point? God, when He created us, He gave us the options. You can choose right or left. That doesn't mean we are all free. There's a slight difference between having the options and being a free person. Why is this important? Because if the world deceives us in thinking that because I have a choice, then I'm a free man. You're not going to ask the Lord for freedom. Because you think, I'm a free man. Who are you to talk to me about freedom? And this is exactly what happened in John 8. When the Lord said... The sun has to set you free. Who remembers the story of that verse? Put up your hand if you remember the story. So, What happened is, the Jews came to him and he says, the Lord talks about freedom, and they said to him, we have never been in bondage, we have never been slaves, we are sons of Abram. How come you talk about freedom? Did you get the point? They were slaves plenty of times. But they didn't see that they were slaves because they felt we were free we can make choices and the same thing the point I'm making in summary the world tells us that if you can make cho- if you have choices if you have options you are a free man this is not right Does that make sense any disagreement I'm building on that concept to so say if it's not clear to you put up your hand and tell me uh, I, I don't think it's right shall we move on So they have the option to choose, that doesn't make them free So what is freedom then? If it is not the fact that I have choices, what is freedom fundamentally? Any takers? Any thoughts? If freedom is not really the fact that I have choices, what is freedom? What is liberty? Why is the Lord talking about a true liberty? So it's to be free from sin, to choose Christ. Can I just add to what you said Mark? You know the Lord said something really, really interesting. He said, if you commit sin, you are a slave to sin. What strikes you in that? The Lord says, if you commit sin, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. What strikes you in that? Tell me?
1: you're never
0: free exactly it it just says something about the fact that it's not about doing it over and over again and that's another misleading definition of bondage you don't have to be doing it every day for you to be in bondage the fact that it compelled you to do it the fact that it tempted you you agreed and then you've done it made you in bondage does that make sense so sometimes the world tells us, well come on, are you not in control of your drugs? Are you not in control of your habits? Then you're not, you're not um, in bondage. You're a free man. All these misconceptions are there from Satan to stop us from asking for freedom. And it adds to our pride. Who am I to ask? For that? As the same as the Jews. Who are we to you talk about freedom? We've always been free since Abram. Do you get the point? So what is freedom? What is liberty? Go ahead
1: to say like believing that you are dead to sin like
0: through Christ Believing that you are dead to sin through Christ This is the, the, base, the base that we base it on or the, or the core belief But I think and again it's related to what you said I think freedom in itself is, is an interesting topic Because people say to you I think it's when you're free from your instincts and feelings Seems nice free from instincts free from feelings seems all right but it raises another question it makes you inhumane it makes you inhumane that you don't have instincts or feelings what if you have them but you don't follow them seems right yes freedom is you have instincts you have feelings but you're not following them but it creates another question which is how about bondage to other things to people how about bondage to your way of thinking. Some people have a very rigid way of thinking and they can't shift. So it's not just about instincts, it's not just about feelings. It's more than that. What is it then? What is it? it? Could it be that you have your mind in full control? Again, doesn't sound wrong because we know that the Lord when He created us, He created the mind to lead the emotions and lead the desires and instincts sounds all right what's wrong with that concept pardon me it's very buddhist in a way but what is, it? what is what is fundamentally wrong with it so one fallacy is can you really be in full control of your mind what else is wrong with it to be free you have to in,
1: in some minds to escape but you sometimes have, you have to be set free so this essence, set free from sin. but these people are to escape from something rather than looking for another way of getting
0: out So you're trying to escape rather than looking really into the essence of it. Karim? I
1: think the mind can be deceptive. So.
0: That's a very good point. So you're saying if my mind is in full control then I am free. But actually people who say that end up having their mind being in bondage to their ego so they live for themselves totally consumed by their own goals and desires and whatever they also have <coughs> sorry they also have the mind being slave to what we call social pressures you heard of that <coughs> so if you leave yourself to your mind suddenly you find yourself doing what people want you to do what is acceptable in the society so you're not really free you are doing what the society tells you to do and what the social contexts dictate on you. Does that make sense? It's kind of a dilemma. And I'm making it look a bit simple. Lots of philosophers have been stuck in this. And I've read for you before I was preparing a guy called Rudolf Steiner, I think, from Germany in 1841. He's kept writing books and books on the philosophy of freedom and in the end he came to the conclusion that we're trying to achieve freedom but don't delude yourself, there is nothing called liberty. Contrary to one of our church fathers, who I'm going to mention in a minute. But do you get the stuckness of the world to try and define freedom? If you leave it for the mind, the mind can be a slave too. So is it about then Getting out of your mind and out of yourself then, this is not new. In psychology at the moment, as some of you might know, they came up with two wild ideas that if you are really terribly anxious or terribly self-critical, will tell you what to do. Something called image techniques, I'm sure you've heard of them. So you close your eyes, you imagine a field where you feel comfortable or by the sea or whatever, And you can imagine somebody who you loved or loved you in the past, hugging you and just reassuring you and this will be your safe place that you go to when you're stuck. What is actually the world trying to do? The world's trying to get you out of your own mind, out of everything to that safe place that you imagine. And that person that you felt safe with, even if it was your therapist for instance. I think this is really interesting because what they do without realizing, what they did without realizing, is that they admitted that we are relational beings. We need to exist in a relationship. And because they felt a relationship to our mind is not enough, a relationship to our feelings and instincts is slavery, so let's relate to an imaginary being or imaginary place. Does that make sense? have I lost anybody of you yes, not, yet. <laughs> not yet okay as said I'm not adding more concepts so don't worry so what, what's what's the issue here the issue as I say is that they realize that the concept of freedom is a bit deeper than that come on Michael enough tell us what you think freedom is I think freedom is a state of detachment and a state of insight, I'm going to explain that. A state of detachment where there is nothing is too attached to you. You know, when someone is really clinging to your arm and suddenly you just. Uh, uh, what was the word? Tell him to just get off your hand or something or be released. Suddenly, what happens? See, someone is clinging to me and I go like, oh man. And I go like, ah. You look at him. That look is inside. Did you get the point? The point is, the first bit about freedom, freedom is a state in which you detach from whatever tries to enslave you, your thoughts, your feelings, your people, your instincts, it's a state of detachment what else it's also a state of insight where you see the reality of these things you know when I'm too close to Abuna I can't see him but when I get a bit of a distance from him I can see him clearly and that happens quite often that when we are stuck in a situation once you you get you take a step back you see it clearly same thing happens in freedom it's a state where you can exist slightly at a distance of your thoughts your feelings your instincts what else as I said, it's a state of insight, where you can see your temptations at the reality in the reality, still a bit unclear. It's a state where you have enough strength, deep down, that pressures would not compel you to do anything. You're not acting out of pressures. And I've highlighted two words, temptations and pressures for a reason. So, in essence, freedom to begin with, it's a state where temptations are clear to you and they don't force you to follow them. And pressures are still there, pressurizing you, but again, they don't force you to do what they tell you to do. Making sense a bit? Last point about the definition of freedom. Definition of freedom is not a passive one. It's not the fact that you stay away from your thoughts, feelings, and thoughts, and, um, and, thought and behaviours, and whatever, and that's it. No. It's actually an active and a positive state where you're with Christ, in relation to Christ. That's why the definition of true cre- uh, freedom doesn't occur, and doesn't apply without having that relationship with Christ. So again, to sum up, freedom in my opinion, and it's not just my opinion, freedom in my opinion is a state, it's not just an event, it's not just I make you free, full stop. It's a state that we need to be in, in which we can detach from temptations, we can see them clearly, we don't do what they tell us to do, in the same time there are pressures and those pressures are trying to get us to do something and we're not doing that because we have enough strength in us where did I get that from? where did I get that from? is it too complex? focus on temptations and pressures and a state I got that from I'll leave that for a sec from Saint Macarius what did he say in homily 5? describing freedom, talks about people who are born uh, of God. He says, as I highlighted, at a fixed, they want people to reach at a fixed and settled condition or state of freedom from disturbance, a state of rest, that you are no longer sifted and wave-tossed by unquiet and vain thoughts. Can you all see it? So again, he talks about the same thing. It's a state where actually you can see the thoughts. You can see the worries. You can see your instinct telling you, come on, come on. You can see them, but you're not engaged in them. Shall I give you another example? You are um, worrying about something. You used to worry about your future. Really worry about if The thought of your future makes you really uh, worry and tense and whatever. A state of freedom is a state where you can see your worry coming, you can see that it's trying to get you, and make you really terrified, and do certain things, and you're not going to do that. Because you have the inner strength to say, well, I see you, but I'm not going to do you. I'm not going to follow you. And that state of inner strength comes from the Lord Himself. That if He's strong enough, it's as if you're so hungry, you know you're hungry, you know there is food but you're strong enough to say, I see the temptation and I'm not going to eat who can fill you with that strength is the Lord Himself is there another example from the Bible? Yes in Psalm 46 David himself was subject to lots of fear but he was saying clearly even though the earth be removed see, stuff happening, pressures what else? And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, lots of disturbance around you. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, the river, uh, there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. I am living in a state of freedom. I feel gladness inside. I'm not shaking by that. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. That's a state of freedom. You're too free, you're so free that you're not reacting to the pressures and temptations. Make sense? Shall we move on? I put another quote by Saint Macarius, and again, the bit I highlighted says the same. Sons of God detach themselves from, um, for His sake, from all worldly affection, and withdraw from all earthly um, tie. So that they can always be free to cherish their longing and nothing can mix with it same principle isn't it detaching but drawing, and you cherish your love What else have i got i was going to share with you this bit which i like as well but because uh, sometimes freedom says to you people say to you that freedom is when you don't have any masters that doesn't exist anywhere. You know the Lord says something that we all use, half of the verse. Come to me all you who are weary or labor or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We all share that bit. What's the second half of the verse? Take my yoke upon you. So the idea, the fantasy that oh all right, I'll give the Lord my yoke because it's too heavy and live without any yoke is a fantasy. It's not what the verse said. He said, give me your yoke and take my yoke because mine is better. Mine is easier. Does that make sense? So you cannot have no masters. Okay, so where am I taking you by that? How to get that freedom? If this is the state that we talk about, how to obtain that? Obviously the conference will take you through three main types uh, of, of bondage. But I thought I'd share few ideas with you. The first is, the Bible clearly says that the Son will set us free. (coughs) So it's actually something that God will give us. And not just that, don't think that the God will find out some freedom for you. No, He will set you free and He will give you the freedom that He's already obtained for you. So as if I have five sons and I decide, okay, I'll buy each of them a flat. So I bought five flats already, one for X, one for Z. When they grow up, I'll give them the flat. That's your freedom. So it's not that he will still find you a flat. He's already got a flat on its door says, Shahar, Shahar's flat. Shadi's freedom, Mirna's freedom, Michael's freedom. So it's there already. It's just for you to get it. Does that make sense? Why is that important? Because sometimes you think, will the Lord be stuck? Will I surprise him by my bondage? No, he's already got your solution. It's just a matter of you cashing that. So, what's my role if it's all about the Lord giving me freedom? What's my role in getting that freedom? Any thoughts? If it's the Lord who's going to set me free, what do I have to do? Seek his help. Seek his help, as in approach him. Voluntarily declare him as the master Very good point If I know There is nothing called No master or no yoke Then voluntarily go and ask For his yoke For his uh, uh, lordship Isn't it? Absolutely Any other thoughts? Surrender Surrender to his Goes yeah in line with what was said. So let him set you free. Okay, well what does it mean? Let him set you free. What is it that I need to do? I need to discover my bondage. As we said before, if we call our bondage something like it's just a slight problem a bona, it's not really a massive issue. I can't really get rid of it then. I need to call it and name it the way it is. How can I discover my bondage? I'm not going to go through that in detail because that will take quite a while but at least you ask yourself about the common stuff Am I addicted to certain behaviors? Am I addicted to people's approval which we'll discuss with Abuna tomorrow? Am I driven by certain feelings? Is there a state of mind where I'm so fearful that I have to do this? Is my body in control? Do I want what I want? So do I do what I want? And do I want what I want? It's a bit philosophical, but you get what, you get what I want to say. So is it, am I is that really what I want? And is what I want something I can do? Am I totally consumed with myself? As we'll talk on Sunday. And last one. Can I be exposed to another person in confession, for instance? Or are there bits that I will never, ever talk to anybody about? Because darkness is the place where bondage starts. So, all right. So discover my bondage. What else I do? You've all heard of the AA program? The AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Who haven't heard of it? So Alcoholics Anonymous is a a, a program based on 12 steps uh, for people who are alcoholics and want to be abstinent. It was developed uh, on a Christian principle but now it can apply to anyone from any religion. I'm going to share with you the first three Uh, statements that people who want to join the AA should say and declare the first one is I we admit that we are powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable what do you think of that See, it's like confession but it's not just saying I have a problem I'm saying I'm actually powerless before the problem and not just that It's become unmanageable because it's a very easy thing to do to minimize it I remember the days when I used to say Tabuna at the end of my confession just in the end when I'm approaching the time when I'm going and also and I mentioned two things but this is not the problem so I'm minimizing it but here you have to say it's unmanageable Does that make sense what else would you have to say that I am powerless So Abuna, I have a problem, but I promise you, next time when I confess, I will get rid of it. That means I still retain some power. That's the point you mentioned about confessing that we don't don't have any power. So I'm powerless and it's unmanageable. What's the second statement you have to say, second step? That we believe that a power greater than ourselves, obviously the Christian principle is God, could restore us to sanity, because give us the solution. Does that make sense? So I admit it's beyond my management ability. And I'm powerless. But I admit also that there is a higher power. There's God who can restore us. And last, the third one, there are 12. I'm making a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand Him. Obviously, it's God in this principle. That's I thought when I share that with you, you can see... That repentance and confession confession, are actually key to recovery. They're actually key to getting out of bondage. Especially because there's exposure in them. Is that making sense? There's one question left for me before I see if you have any questions. Any questions so far? Or any comments or disagreements? Have I lost anybody of you? No? Yeah? Um,
1: lost? No, not lost. Just like, there's some theories that say that naming it is not always the best thing to do depending on what it is. So, like, sometimes, like, I don't know, I don't really know how to so the,
0: the question is, sometimes when you name the bondage, it's not the best thing to do. It might not be helpful. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Can you give me an example where naming something might not be as helpful or you can't think of any? Um, Can anybody think of naming a bondage? Mark? I
1: had a, I had a patient recently a problem with alcohol it and said I'm alcoholic, I said you identify with it, I don't know if that's what you're uh, about naming it and saying, do you feel that you identify with it, he says yeah I couldn't see my life without it, uh, it's part of me, a bit like biblically Judas Iscariot, he was always one, Judas Iscariot the one who betrayed Christ, he identified with him, became his identity, sometimes people like to identify, I don't know if that, sorry maybe I'm, I'm looking through your facial expression, I might have got the wrong state, mistake, but I know identifying with one, like the bondage itself or the bondage itself yeah, like can, I can sometimes yeah, it's can make it out. Well. So instead of saying, I've got a problem with it, to say instead of, I'm yeah. yeah. out Instead of naming
0: the problem, yeah. you're attaching your identity to yeah. it.
1: Yeah, yeah. so when you something. name it, it becomes... It's
0: like but when you name it as a problem or as a bondage... It's, I
1: guess it's different. Like, is because some people would say that when you name it, it's like you're acknowledging it as, like, part of yourself. If like you're not attached <coughs> to it, it becomes part of you. Rather than, so you're not able to detach, which I think was one of your points of freedom. It's the other way around. Of is so a slate can't, can't, but this way, some people would say, oh no, actually I'm attaching with it, and that's contradicting with one of your points of freedom. Exactly. But that's how some people are seeing it.
0: But it's, I think the other way around. In, in, in our practice, we encourage people to name the problem and even write it down so they detach from it. So it's not you who's alcoholic, you have a problem with alcohol. So you're actually trying to re- restore or preserve the person, the people's identity. Um, so I don't see name because what is the reason behind not wanting to name it? Why would someone not want to name a bondage, Do you think? They don't, want to face it. they don't want to face it. They don't want to say it. It was just something I don't want to say it. So you don't want to expose it the way it is.
1: End. Which might be the case, like if in admitting your weakness, like there's no further talking about it, there's no further help or something. But here they're saying I'm powerless, but there is a power that's greater than me that can help
0: me. Absolutely, it's just the completion of it is that I'm powerless, but there is someone else who's powerful enough to handle it and tackle it.
1: I was quite interested in when you said about taking a step back from your thoughts and feelings because. Like, for example, it's becoming now, they're rolling out across, in England, across all the medical schools, a new programme, which is going to become compulsory from next year, called Mindfulness. And what they're aiming to do with that is to get people to sit down and have some meditation time, where they can see a problem, but they they accept it's there but detach themselves from the problem and it's becoming now routine in medical schools. I know in our medical school it's going to start as compulsory from next year and the reason I think they've introduced that is not just because of GMC guidelines but also because um, they're quite concerned as to how society's influencing the thinking of doctors who are potentially going to be practising patients, particularly that there are a lot of moral cultures now and they don't want that.
0: Well, mi- mindfulness is not a new concept to our Christianity. I mean, mindfulness is a Buddhist concept, obviously. Uh, but it's not, uh, it's not new to, to our Church Fathers, uh, who actually told us about, m- plenty of times, about the devil throwing thoughts at, thoughts at you, and you're not engaging in the thoughts. And that's one of the basic ba- basis of mindfulness, is that you see the thoughts, but you don't engage with them. And that's not new. Our Church Fathers said the same plenty of times, that you can see the birds, but you don't allow them to uh, build a nest on your head.
1: The other thing is when you name something, sometimes we give ourselves the excuse, it's like, oh, I'm a sinner, so next time I'm not fighting hard enough, I'm gonna fall for it. So that's because it becomes, Good point. I'm an alcoholic, oh, I'm weak, I'm gonna be... So it's not. I already identified it, I have a problem with that, but it kind of, it becomes my to continue in that behavior so I wouldn't feel bad
0: about myself I get the point it's just you saying it to justify that what you're doing is right and I'll talk about that in a minute and I'm conscious of the time and that some people would be still having some supper so if you don't mind that I skim through the last couple of slides and then we might have a discussion after after that is that okay is that okay <laughs> So I was going to say that although we talked about that some people are still stuck on the path of of freedom and I was going to think with you of three main sources of stuckness why people after all we said about confession and repentance are still stuck and they're not free yet or they're not even admitting their problems yet so for for ease I was going to share with you three sources of stuckness and either you still like it whatever is Tempting you or whatever is you are in bondage with. Either you still like it. And your mindset will be. I will still get something out of it. Or you fear it. So you think. Your thinking statement is. I will never be able to, to say no to, to that. Or you underestimate it. So you're thinking. Well it's not doing me any harm. It's alright. I can still carry on my life. And do this as well. Does that make sense? So I thought for ease of things, I reduced them to three, which is you either like it, fear it, or underestimate it. Got the point? So you either like it or fear it or underestimate it. Quick examples. You like it. You believe that lying will still get you what you want. You still like it. You still see that it's giving you something. So you're a slave to your own lies. You still believe that unholy scenes can still give you enjoyment and satisfaction. You like it. That's why you're stuck. You still believe that money can still give you some joy. You still like it. That's why you're slave. Is that making the point clear? More examples? You still believe that your fear is good for you. So the Bible says, do not fear. But you say, I still believe that some fear is alright. So you still like it. That's why you're stuck in it. Hands up if you don't think it's clear enough. It's not clear enough? No, I, said I think it's clear enough. You think it's clear enough? <laughs> Again, you still believe that alcohol will relieve your anxiety. So you still like it. And people's approval can give you confidence. This is the source of my confidence. If people say to me, yes, well done. So you still like it. That's why you're stuck. The next one was, you like it, you... It. You fear it, absolutely. So I'll never be able to resist lustful thoughts. If that's your mindset, if you're fearing it, you're, you're in bondage. You're an easy prey. It's easy. It can easily get you if you fear it. And that's why when the Lord is going to give you freedom, it's not just that He's dealing with lies, but one important thing is He's filling you with that ability, as we said, inner strength, to feel, I don't fear it. Even if it comes, even if it's disturbing me, I don't fear it anymore. I'm a child of God, I don't fear that anymore. And that's one of the fundamental work of the Spirit in you, to give you the freedom that we talked about. Do you remember we said a state of detachment and a state of inner strength and a state of um, steadiness. You're steady. Disturbance around you, but you, your mindset is, let, it, let, it, uh, let the mountains fall. Let the earth be removed, as David said, I'm not going to be shaken. That's what the Spirit does to you, fills you with that strength and confidence. So you fear it, you say, I can never say no to this person. Anyone else about this person, I can never say it. You fear the bondage, I will never be able to resist pressure from my feelings. Especially that particular feeling, once it comes, it comes. My night is destroyed, that's my mindset. I can never say no to my flesh. Once it asks for that, I have to follow it. I can never overcome my bitterness or anger towards that person or this person. Just examples to show you if you like it, if you fear it. And last one, if you underestimate it. So, example, I can listen to or watch to whatever I want and not be corrupted. You're underestimating it. Does that make sense? Reminds me of the proverb verse that says, can you carry... Um, a, a charcoal, fiery one, and not be burned. Impossible. I can associate with bad company and not be corrupted. You're underestimating it. I can sin and then quickly repent. There'll be no loss whatsoever. You're underestimating sin. So. I can try and find out myself. There is no harm in trying. You're underestimating. That's the source of stuckness. So I thought about three to remember. You. Like it, you fear it, or you underestimate it. Is that clear, I think? So I was going to say some tips for the conference, conscious of the time, it's approaching 10.30. So I'll just tell you one tip to make use of that conference. And this is a list, but again, it's about the last one. I think if you really want to make use of that conference, all that applies, but exposure is key exposure of the bondage is key and don't be shy to tell Abuna about, about your bondage in detail sometimes you think well I don't need to say the details to Abuna, I'm not saying mention names or the details of what you actually did, I'm not saying the action, I'm saying the scenario you heard the devil is in the detail before so when you tell Abuna the scenario of what happens each and every time he'll be able to say well this is a bondage yeah this is a, there's a bondage here. There's a pattern here. There's a mindset here that is making you stuck. Shall we stop here? I was gonna say that in the conference we'll be covering... Who? We'll be covering uh, tomorrow morning, nature of feelings, nature of emotions and passions and how they can affect us. In the workshop we talk about worries common ones and how they enslave us at times then we talk about freedom from fear discussing fear of failure in our workshops then freedom from seeking people's approval and uh, freedom from self-adoration or self-glorification following your ego and then we finish with a summary on Sunday thank you so much for listening and I'm sorry that I'm rushing because I'm conscious of the time uh, we wanted to finish at 10.30 we can talk about questions later thank you thank you